0: Welcome to episode fifty-six of Unlicensed Entertainment. I'm your host, Carl Etner. With me today is a very special guest, Melissa Kirkpatrick. Welcome, Melissa.
1: Thanks, Carl. It's great to
0: be here. There's a pause. Did I say your name wrong or something?
1: Oh, pause.
0: Oh, okay. Maybe there's a slight delay between us. I was like, uh, like you. Uh, oh, really? You took a second oh, to react. Okay. I was like, oh no, did I say your name wrong? Yeah, I've known you for like.
1: Is there still a pause? <laughs>
0: Uh, I don't think so. Maybe it's just that it okay. for a moment there. <laughs> we're going to get this all going to be in there. But I was like, Oh, no, I've known you for like 15 years. And I, I said your name wrong. It's horrible. <laughs> so, so, uh, good. so uh, let me just explain. I, I know you from uh, well, a long time. Uh, we used to work together. I actually knew you a little bit before yeah. that because you worked at my favorite store of all time before I worked there called Warehouse <laughs> Music. And you were the very helpful sales lady that I eventually worked with. <laughs> uh we then yeah, uh that, was, no, that go ahead. was
1: really fun working with you yeah i i was thinking about that like memories of working with you and going to college with you and doing plays and yeah all good memories yeah
0: <laughs> uh, we uh that's that's right we did some plays together most memorably i think was uh dark of the moon and uh yeah i you are the epitome of there's no such thing as a no small roles just small actors kind of thing because your role was definitely not—you weren't one of the leads, but you were memorable. I think a oh, lot of people talked nice. about uh, your character. It was a play about witchcraft and stuff like that for audiences who don't know *Dark of the Moon*, which I assume is everybody. Uh, <laughs> your character was, it was about witchcraft, and yours was a very religious character that worried about, you know, corruption and stuff like that. And you had a scene where you just like basically killed a baby, and it was fucked up.
1: <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't laugh about that, (laughs) but, um, yeah, it was a very uh, dark role, and I definitely went all the way (laughs) with it. Um, Yeah, I worked really hard on that role. I did a lot of research, and, uh, yeah, I feel like, you know, like, what I would compare that role to is, if you've ever seen Edward Scissorhands, there's, like, that neighbor lady who's, like in her room lighting candles and playing her organ and like telling everyone, you know, that like Edward is evil and she comes up and she's like, I told you he was evil. It's very similar to that role, except mine was much more intense. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I, I I still remember you had a line like you you burn him with fire in the yard and that stuck with me because you just performed it so (laughs) well.
1: The one line that I remember, uh, that I always get stuck in my head is that. Let's see, it weren't no baby, Miss Allen. It was a witch. Yeah, no, you were good yeah. at that.
0: I was one of the bigger characters, which I don't know how that happened because I was horribly miscast. Like uh, I, one of his <laughs> lines was, "He was just, I'm the strongest man in this here county," and <laughs> uh, my entire gang, because I was a bad guy, were people who towered over me. There's a there's a guy in there that <laughs> I I was supposed to push around, and when I would push him it would push myself because I was just too small (laughs) compared to him. Uh, But uh, also like you, you can do the accent. I'm anyone who knows me, who's seen me do improv or anything like that. I can't do accents. I'm still amazed. I got cast as one of the big stars in a Southern drama fucked up thing with, and I can't do accents. My brother pointed out to me, it's like everyone else did an accent. Where was yours? No,
1: you were awesome. Thank you. Yeah, no, you stood
0: out. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, we all after we worked together. Oh, I gotta bring up this story because it's funny to me. Uh, so we worked together when you had your your child, and I remember when the day you went into labor. bring you know, everyone was talking about it at work, you know, because we're all like super excited for you. And I brought up, I was like, oh, it's so funny. I think uh, when she when she became pregnant, she was doing that play where she burned a baby, and I thought it was hilarious. That, <laughs> you killed a baby and then you know you were you're pregnant I was like that's so funny and my coworkers like oh okay why why are you bringing up burning babies on this day
1: <laughs> yep yeah well I didn't know you know that I was pregnant at the time um yeah but I found out very shortly like after that or something but um yeah, it was, uh, that's definitely, um, I that's funny that you bring that up. I never knew that you made that connection, but, um, yeah, that's also funny that you mentioned, cause that was the last play that I ever did. Really? Um. Yeah, oh yeah. Like I definitely like love acting still and like want to do it again, but once I did have my baby who is now 15. That's insane. I just wanted to focus on him and yeah, for me it's it's kind of hard to multitask that and um yeah, so I, um, it's funny though, that you brought that up that, yeah, I burned a baby in the oh, but I got one. <laughs> oh my God. So dark.
0: Uh, you also did some, uh, you, you, uh, started doing some performances at Spectacles Improv Comedy to classes and stuff like that. Uh, so you didn't have time for theater, but you did have time to at least, at least have some performances in there. Was... Yeah, I
1: did a little improv for a few years. That was really fun. Um, definitely, like a great community, and um, learned a lot from it. Um, yeah, had a blast doing that. It's such a challenge, you know. It's a good way to challenge yourself and to connect with other people, um, and to just get out of your own head. It's it's really hard to do. Um, I admire all you guys that kept going with it. Um, it's something I would love to do again in a few years when sorry graduates i do plan on starting to perform again that's good get into some improv to start
0: yeah i've been i've been i've uh dropped out about two years ago and i still like for personal reasons but like i still do miss that performing it's hard to get that completely out of your system
1: it is yeah i've had that since i was yeah since I was tiny like, yes yeah, so, oh um, so you were into acting stuff like old?
0: okay same here I was into that since I was like I think uh, I saw The Mask and Ace Ventura and I was like I want to do that mm-hmm. when I'm an adult <laughs>
1: yeah I'm a big Jim Carrey fan I watched Ace Ventura like every day one summer uh, I think in high school probably like 30 times
0: I had uh, the yeah. second one memorized I don't remember it anymore but I had it memorized when I was younger like I could have the movie, oh, not, yeah. I I could have the movie not even playing, and I could just recite it to yes. myself.
1: Oh no, I would go through daily life just basically acting like freaking Ace Ventura, um, constantly quoting him until I realized it wasn't like necessarily attractive. To <laughs> <die>. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know I'm a nerd. But I
0: mean, it <laughs> depends on the people. Like when I was in a when I was in kindergarten or preschool. I got, uh, my first girlfriend for doing my Steve Urkel impersonation, so you don't know what impresses people.
1: (laughs) Yes. Oh my god.
0: Uh, so, uh, recently, uh, you know, Stranger Things Season 4 came out, and there was this thing called the Hellfire Club in there, started by the breakout character Eddie Munson. Is that correct? Eddie Munson, right? That's his last name?
1: Yeah.
0: And Uh you started a Facebook page, uh... About this and it's kind of blown up. So do you want to tell us how that started out?
1: Yeah, man, it's been a whirlwind Uh, I just loved season four volume one so much and I could not wait until Volume two came out and I just wanted to talk all about it with my friends um I just couldn't get enough of talking about it and theorizing or whatever. But so I put a little like, I don't know, on Facebook, I said, hey, if I started a little Facebook group, you know, with my friends, would anyone be interested in just talking about, you know, stuff that we don't want to spoil for other people on the Internet? Because I don't like posting spoilers on the regular Facebook Yeah. So, yeah, I got, like, 20 people reacted, and and I had, like, 25 friends to start.
0: Yeah, that's how I thought. I I thought it was going to be maybe, like, 100 people or so at the end. That's what I was expecting. But it got much bigger than that.
1: Yeah, it was insane. so, yeah, so it was just, it wasn't what I wanted and needed. I needed to talk to more people. I needed people to, like, actually post stuff and, like, want to talk with me my friends were like yeah that's cool and I'd be the only one posting so I was like okay I was like how do I grow this more um and so I was had just um seen this really awesome 80s concert Cruel World and I joined their page and I just it was my favorite Facebook page I'd ever joined just a bunch of 80s fans um so I thought you know 80s fans probably like Stranger Things so I was like hey guys like Um, you know, does anyone want to talk about stranger things, you know, in that group? And then like a hundred people came over and then it started getting more interesting. Um, and then I was like, wow, this is getting pretty cool, you know? So then this is how I really grew it. I would, uh, you know, follow stranger things on Facebook and every time they would post something, I would watch it and I would comment you know, very accurately, thoroughly on whatever it was they posted. Um, and then I would share the group, you know, I'd be like, Hey, you know, like, Oh man. Yeah. Eddie Munson is so cool in that scene. You know, something specific mm-hmm. to what they shared. So, so you're obviously not like a, a bot. Spammer. Yeah. What?
0: So, so you're obviously not a bot.
1: Exactly. Yep. So, and then I would post the link, you know, with Eddie Munson's face on the cover. Cause he's just clearly the most popular character um, and then, yeah, it just blew up. What's funny, which I want to say, um, is when I first started the group, I asked everyone cause this, I was naive. Who's your favorite character? And I listed all the new characters. Who's your favorite new character? Mm-hmm. Mine was Argyle. Really? I was like, oh, I want to see who everyone else likes. And <laughs> it was like, landslide Eddie. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I guess this is happening. It's
0: insane how popular, how that character kind of took over a show that was very well established and very well liked and became everyone's favorite character.
1: It's amazing, yeah, and he's only in the show for a total of 42 minutes. Really? Like, yeah, like, you know, all, you know, in different scenes, but it's absolutely amazing. He's, like, an instant icon.
0: Yeah, for sure. I I didn't know how I felt about him at first until the... um, The scene with him and Christy, that's when I started liking him because they had instant chemistry and he was like, he was very intimidating at first. And then you meet these two people and you're like, oh, okay, they're not going to work. And I was so invested in the relationship and they had very little screen time together, but I was 100% in on that immediately.
1: Yes. Yeah. I felt the same. You know, a lot of people, you know, they claim that they loved him right away, love at first sight. But for me, I was like, whoa, he's kind of a jerk. Yeah. You know, making fun of everyone in the cafeteria really loudly. I'm like, that guy's not that cool. And he was, you know, kind of, yeah, kind of intimidating to Dustin and Mike. And I was like, okay, we'll see about this guy. I wasn't sure about him. Um, And then, yeah, same when he, the forest scene with Chrissy, I was like, oh, he softened up a little bit. You know, he showed his human side um you know that he was scared of her as well that he was shy and he always thought you know that you know maybe she was looking down on him or maybe that she didn't remember him um and he shared that with her and you know he made her feel comfortable um yeah and then when he gets all flirty I was like oh he's kind of cute you know <laughs> um and yeah and then he just starts, the, the character gets better from there. I totally agree with you. I I did not know what to think of him at first. I thought he was going to be like a bad guy or something. Yeah,
0: for sure. Um, what exactly about Stranger Things really uh, made you want to invest so much? Why does it speak to you so much that you decided to start a group about this?
1: Uh, 100% 80s, the 80s references. Uh, I'm a huge 80s fan. Um, just watching that first season, I was hooked right away. I watched the whole season in one day when it first came out, um, years ago. And yeah, just the, the first season is very ET, like hugely ET reference. Like, like it's basically copies ET in many (laughs) scenes and I loved it. And I loved, you know, the kids on bikes and, uh, you know, just, them playing together in the basement and just that best friendship, like the Goonies, and I just, oh, I just wanted to be there. You know, it, t- it made me want to be there, except for all the scary stuff, of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a hundred percent '80s and the friendship um, and the music that I love.
0: That is all, all fantastic. I think when I saw the trailer for it, I had, I didn't think it looked good. I thought it looked like a bad show. The only reason I watched it is because I love Winona Ryder. I was like, oh, she's back. Because she kind of... Mm-hmm. I think she unfairly took a hit, uh, like, interacting. Because, you know, she had that shoplifting scandal, which, oh my god, the worst right. thing ever. Meanwhile, Mel Gibson works all the time. He's an anti-Semitic asshole. Uh, I thought that yeah. was completely unfair. And to see her coming back, and she was so iconic, especially 80s, early 90s, and stuff like that. I was like, if she's involved in this, I want to see what this is. And then every other character in the show drew drew me in even more, but... It was all Winona Ryder, that's the main reason I watched it.
1: Yes, no, honestly, yes. Like, the what lured me in was actually the picture, the poster, where Eleven is bald and she's looking kinda mean on the, the cover, and I thought she looked like River Phoenix and Stand By Me, and I was like, oh, she looks kinda cool. And then when I saw Winona Ryder was in it, I was sold. I'm a huge fan for life, I've always been a fan. Um, I didn't really care about the shoplifting thing. No, I didn't either. Um, I've always loved her. Uh, Yeah. And she, to me, was the best part about season one, aside from Eleven. Um, I loved Eleven and Mike's connection in the beginning of the show. I was very attached to them. Now is a little different, but...
0: (laughs) Really? Like, I see that a lot, that there has become a backlash to Mike. And I think, you know, sometimes he's a little bit oblivious uh but i still i still like him i still think i don't think there's a bad character on the show i think he's been overshadowed that i am now way more interested in lucas and max than i am in 11 and mike but i still think every character is doing a fantastic job
1: i do too um yeah no it's not that i don't like mike in fact i get upset when people hate on mike um I feel bad um because it's all that's happening is he's just has become this awkward teenager which is totally normal and realistic mm-hmm. um and you know he's going through a relationship at a young age and that's all awkward you know um but he loves her but yeah in the first two seasons their connection was so strong and beautiful um and I just loved it so much. The The moment I felt that again was um, when they were, it was the pizza dough freezer scene. And Will reminds Mike that he's the heart of Eleven. And Mike starts telling her that he loves her. I cry every time I watch that. I, I rewatch the show all the time. Oh, okay. um, I cry every time I watch that. I think Finn Wolfhard did a great job in that scene.
0: I think the main scene I've and I think a lot of people did this one, is the running up the hill Max scene. I've watched like a hundred times.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'm like, every time I'm like, okay, this time I'm going to watch it and I'm not going to choke up. And every single time. Because <laughs> the music is so dramatic. The flashbacks are so dramatic. And then Sadie Sink's performance of that scene is so meaningful and deals with depression. And so when she comes through and says, I'm here, I'm still here... Uh, every time she says that line, it's so beautifully performed, and it's, it's crazy how a show that's so outlandish and so big and not realistic can have these meaningful moments that really speak to a lot of people.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it, it is. It's such a, you know, it's a sci-fi, horror, like, drama, comedy, and yeah, it can take you all over the place, but it always brings you back to just like that deep kind of connection with people and and how friends and family are really important. Um, And yeah, and that, that you can create a family with your friends. So even if you don't have a family, your friends become your family. And I think a lot of the characters in that show, it's funny how the parents are not like always super involved in their lives that we've seen or that they don't connect with the, the kids too much.
0: Pretty much um, only Winona Ryder is the, it's the only one that's really hands-on.
1: Yeah. I think it's funny how uh, the uh, Mrs. Wheeler, it just is totally oblivious to everything they're doing all the time. <laughs> They are like, where are the kids? She's like, I don't know. Like all the time, she never knows where they are.
0: I think that's like a safe, I bet the, I think the creators probably look back on their own childhoods. I bet a lot of times during that day and age, especially is what I hear, that's kind of what parents were like. You know, you have kids, you like yeah. your kids, but you know, whatever they're doing, it's fine. I don't really care. That's true. Yeah. When I
1: was a kid, I was off, you know, playing with my friends. I, yeah, I mean, it's true. But I don't know. Mrs. Wheeler
0: takes it to another level. <laughs> well, I mean, she even has that whole thing with uh, Max's stepbrother. Uh, I cannot remember his name. Billy?
1: Oh, Billy. Yeah, that
0: was a whole weird storyline where she kind of had a flirtatious hilarious. thing.
1: A little uncomfortable. Mm. like. Yeah.
0: Everyone's... Like... Yeah. Sorry,
1: go on. Yeah, no, I like. I love the actor that plays Billy, and the scenes between them, They're the feeling that they're trying to achieve is really happening, but I'm just like, whoa, this is weird. <laughs>
0: like, they do I that every still... once in a while. Uh, you do. I still, okay, I said I loved every character, but I, I lied. I forgot about one character I do not like, and it's because I've never forgiven uh-huh. him for a very creepy thing early on. Is uh Jonathan? Is it Jonathan? I'm so bad with names. Johnson. Yeah, Jonathan. I yeah, Jonathan. I don't I don't I don't like him. I've been rooting for him to for Nancy to break up with him the entire time. <laughs> it makes no sense to me. Because the first time you see it well, like one of the earliest memories you have of him is spying on her through a window. I don't know about anybody else. Yeah. I don't think that's a good basis for a relationship.
1: No, it's not. And taking pictures yeah. of them when they don't know about it. Yeah, not not super cool. Yeah, but she seemed to be past that, but...
0: I mean, that is a thing, that is, like, it does fit in with the 80s vibe, because, like, I remember the movie, Uh, have you ever seen Monster Squad? No, I haven't,
1: but I want to. Okay,
0: it's a fun 80s movie, but there is a moment in there where you're like, this is not cool, and that is, uh, they need the older sister, teenage sister, to give them a ride, and she just doesn't want to do it. Luckily, one of the main character's friends has taken pictures of her changing, and so he goes like, "If you don't uh, give us a ride, I'm gonna show these pictures to everybody." And she's so embarrassed. And it's like, ah ha ha ha, they took away oh her privacy. God. And it's, it's <laughs> like the weird thing of the '80s, like porkies and and so many things are just like, oh yeah, uh, sexually harassing women. That's a, that's acceptable. Yeah, you peek on them when they're when they're even Back to the Future. Uh, Marty McFly meets his dad right when he goes back to the past. He's looking through binoculars through his future mom's window, watching her change. <laughs> this is a beloved movie. I mean, it's so weird that we're like, oh, yeah. and Yeah, it's peeking on women. That's that's fine, right? That's
1: normal. Yeah. I know. So that like, happened a lot in, like, 80s movies where someone would be watching someone outside
0: the window. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I guess that's probably why they did that. But in this day and age, it makes them not so <laughs> likable.
1: So they- yeah. No. I am... Um... I see what you're saying. Like I the thing I like about Jonathan though is that he's a really good brother. Oh yes. Uh, but, but I but I feel like that's that's mostly all that he that's like his main purpose is to be Will's good brother and I feel that's his priority is that he wants to stay with Will and be there for him and whatever else kind of like takes a second Yeah, I don't
0: know. It's just second. But he he has a very good uh, emotional, moving scene in this season where he he pulls Will aside and talks to him in the pizza place, uh, basically about accepting and loving him. And it's like, oh, I don't hate you in this scene. I really like you. (laughs) But most of the time, I'm still like, just Nancy, just run him over with your car. I'm fine with that. (laughs)
1: I'm definitely. I'm like Team Nancy stays single.
0: Okay, so you don't you don't (laughs) even want him with uh, Steve.
1: adore steve um but i i don't know where they're going with it and i feel like you know she's got to go to college and all this stuff and she's like super has all this potential and she's badass Mm. and she needs to like see what she can do in the world like i feel like focusing on steve or especially when he talks about having six kids yeah that was a little much um, i think that's like doesn't align with her goals you know no that's true Um, and she's She's very focused and really um, ambitious, and Steve is not. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, I think uh, I think that would be a very brave choice for them to do if they actually, yeah, neither one of them ends up with someone at the end of the show. They just have to grow as people. I think that'd be very interesting. And Jonathan dies. <laughs> uh, I wanted to say something about your group before we move on to the next segment really quick is, you know, I'm a, I, you know I'm on Facebook a lot. I like trolling the comment sections because oftentimes there's just horrifically stupid comments going on. People are arguing all the time, just horrible vibes. And I'm for some reason obsessed yeah. with that. What I love about your group is I don't see that there. I have never seen uh, like these bad interactions. It's a very wholesome group with just people really liking something together and not really attacking each other. I wanted to know, is that—is that, is that uh, something you take credit for? Like, are you monitoring the group and kind of like taking that stuff out of there? Or is it just something that just happened?
1: its uh, I'm absolutely working to make that continue. So when I first started it, um, and gosh, it's only been a few months, but it feels like forever now. Um, I made it clear kind of announcing on the page that this is like a safe space for nerds. Um, and like, we don't accept mouth breathers, which is a bully in stranger things. Um, and it's, I think mouth breather is a really good kind of roundabout way to, um, classify like negativity or like arguing, like, or fighting. Like, I think arguing, that's one thing debating, like a healthy debate. That's a different thing. Um, but I don't like people like making fun of other people. Like I did have... You know, people post tattoos that they got, like Stranger Things tattoos, and people, um, like, be like, that looks horrible, or, you know, like, and I, I was like, okay, I'm like, sorry, but we don't do that here. And I will, I will delete a comment. I sometimes will tell someone, I'll sometimes let them know why it's happening, sometimes I won't. But honestly, man, people get it. They get it. They understand that this is a page for positivity and just passion and being nerdy together. Um, and yeah, they I think you know it's pretty well understood. There's still a few people that slide in every now and then, but it's overall been pretty easy to keep things that way. It's it, that is what to me has been the most surprising and rewarding, amazing thing about the group, you know, all I was trying to do is talk about stranger things. I didn't know this would be a place that felt like home for people that made them feel like they could be themselves, that being different is good, um, and that they have a place to go, um, you know, where they can feel like a part of a community. Um, even if they feel alone, you know, regular daily life is, is hard. It's kind of like an escape in in a way as well um yeah so i'm completely surprised by the course the group took and very very pleased and proud of what it's turned into
0: well i think it's a great job i love that group everyone should check it out it's hellfire club on facebook started by melissa kirk patrick all right we're going to move on unless there's something else you want to say before we move on we're going to move on to the next subject
1: no i appreciate um appreciate you saying that and thank you
0: all right, so the next, we're not hanging up. Oh, okay, I thought you were hanging up for a second.
1: No, sorry. <laughs>
0: uh, so we're going to move on to the next segment, which is called Entertainment Thoughts. Uh, this is uh, not reviews of anything that I've taken in the past week. It is more like my thoughts on movies, TV shows that just came to me uh, since the last time I recorded. Uh, the first one is, so I'm watching this show called uh, called Lock and Key. Have you ever heard of this?
1: Oh, I actually have.
0: Okay, so it's on Netflix. And one of the big concepts is in the of the show is that there's these magical keys that give you powers. Like you could use a key that like lets you go anywhere in the world you imagine. There's a key that lets you get super strength. There's all these different things. The drawback is, is that once you're 18, you forget about magic. So you're not going to remember any of those things that you did with that. You could do something right in front of somebody. They'll be shocked for like five seconds, and then their brain will just click back into place. And they won't remember that ha- happening that way. So I have a question for you, a nice little hypothetical. If you had the ability, you're going to have five magical years where you're going to have wonderful powers. You can do whatever you want with them. It's going to be so much fun. But you are going to forget about them after the five years. Would you do it?
1: Uh, yes. <laughs> I would... I would hope to keep them in my subconscious or my dreams or something, but we're saying that they're gone forever. I would still do it because there's so many abilities I would like to have.
0: I, like Those would be such great years, but I think like, because they actually show this in the in later seasons. Like It's not just a thing like the kids are so young, the adults are so old that they forget about it. It actually becomes a plot point where people are turning 18 soon and you see them dealing like with their brain kind of like contradicting itself. And like throwing it almost mm-hmm. seems like um seems like uh they have Alzheimer's, something like that, because they'll be in the middle of talking about something and then they have no idea how this happened and where they are, what's going on, it freaks them out. And it was incredibly yeah. surprisingly interesting, and especially like uh, uh just I've seen, you know, I've seen that unfortunately in real life in much more horrible circumstances and magic and stuff like that. But like it's it would scare me. I think it'd be horrifying to be living through the transition of not remembering. I don't know if I'd want that. that-
1: That would be scary. And it it would be like, yeah, Alzheimer's, like, that's a scary thing. And then so when you put it that way, it it would be something similar to that where you're slowly losing your grasp on like reality or your memories that you knew. And that would be that would be hard. But I think the way that I would want to do it is like, And I would hope that I would want to do it as use my abilities to help the world, so that what even if I forgot, then the rest of the world would benefit. Okay, you know, no,
0: that's interesting. Yeah, that's much. I was thinking like I always think more selfishly. That's definitely not selfish.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean the, the the most selfish one would be being able to fly, and that's just I would just love to fly all over the world and. To see everything
0: and feel free so <laughs> oh yeah that'd be great except you're not gonna remember it you might the weird thing is i think you'd remember like you flew to paris or something like that i'm like i remember going to paris how the fuck did i get to paris <laughs> oh yeah
1: that would
0: be weird All right. that would be so so anyway. ne- so next one um so i you know I'm, I'm a bit of a comic book geek and uh i, I love superman i'm a big superman fan but I've come to a realization that uh, Superman is vain and he lets people and himself be in danger because he's vain. And it's not really established <laughs> in the comic books, but there's like a thing. Uh, so, you know, everyone knows his big, his big uh, weakness is kryptonite, right?
1: Yeah. The
0: big glowing green rock turns him super weak. So it has been established that he has a suit that he can wear that looks a little bit dorky. But when he wears his suit, he cannot be hurt by kryptonite. It's his kryptonite protection suit. So if you have that suit, and you know all the bad guys know that you know kryptonite's your weakness, why not have that just be your suit? Is he he's letting himself be in danger? He's letting you know people possibly die because they'll have kryptonite because he doesn't want to look a little dorky. Sure, they say he's like the super selfless guy, but like
1: <laughs> if he
0: was, he wouldn't be doing that.
1: Do you, I mean, I cannot argue with that. Why would you not? Like, do you like the challenge of the possibility of being weakened, like, or is it you just want to look good in your, like, your tights?
0: I mean, you can't really see his nice little uh, spit curl that well when he's wearing the helmeted kryptonite suit, so there's that. (laughs) So, yeah, it's, it's, it's horrible. You gotta look good when you're saving people, I guess.
1: Yeah, I don't know. You're right. I never thought about that. I've always loved Superman. Um... And I don't know, I mean, he's such a nerd when he's, like, Clark Kent, although that depends on which, like, version that you're looking at, I guess, but, um, like, why would he not just go with, like, full nerd all the time? Yeah,
0: <laughs> I, guess, I guess maybe that's it. He wants a break from the nerd persona. Which, by the way, he's playing up a little thick, in my opinion. Like he could be a nerd and not be as bad as he is. Kind of feels like he's making fun of nerds. And then uh, maybe he's like, okay, when I'm <laughs> Superman, I don't want to look nerdy at all because I'm already getting embarrassed in front of Lois every single day. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna look cool. That's, that's probably it. No, I, I don't
1: blame him for that. <laughs> not when you put it that way.
0: <laughs> all right, uh, so the next one. Uh, so I've been watching the Midnight Club, Mike Flanagan's new show on, uh, on Netflix. And the concept of the show is that a bunch of uh, kids their are terminal uh, illnesses are in this hospice care facility for young, dying kids. By the way, same set as Lock and Key. They just redressed it. Uh, and one of the concepts of the show is that every night at midnight, they get together and they all tell horror stories. So they're very much like, feels like, mm-hmm. are you afraid of the dark for adults? Something like that. And the thing that bugged, that just distracted me a little bit, it was that... I don't know many people that are good at storytelling. So you're telling me all these kids just happen to be dying, and they all also happen to be very good storytellers. I don't. I find it harder to believe than a haunted hospice is the fact that there's a they're all really good storytellers. I can't. I can't buy that. <laughs>
1: That is a pretty big coincidence. Like, did they all have the same English class, like in some school that was close to like radiation or something? I don't know. I haven't seen the show. There's,
0: there's no. They're, they're all from all over the world. There's just a very well known, well liked hospice facility, and yet <laughs> they're all from different backgrounds and different education stuff like that. Yet they all, they all can tell a good story somehow.
1: You have to write. You have to write a short story before you're yeah. allowed to we'll, leave. We'll them. let
0: you die here. We know you're dying, but can you do this homework assignment, write like a five-page essay before you come in here? Because we do not take people that don't don't have English degrees.
1: <laughs> if you can't participate in story time, then you're not welcome. <laughs> we don't either. want
0: you here. Die somewhere else. <laughs> All right, and then here's a here's a fun little last one I wanted to do. Uh, I haven't done this before, so we'll see how this goes. but uh I was watching a show called Troll Hunters, Guillermo del Toros animated series on Netflix. highly recommend it. It's amazing, but they have a they had a trope come up that comes up a lot of times in fantasy, which is you answer these riddles or you die kind of situation happens all the time. trolls, whatever people in fantasy they yeah. love life or death riddles. And I wanted to see, so my coworker at work has recently been getting in a riddle mood and has been posting every day these different riddles for us to solve. And I've actually been doing okay. I've been solving them pretty fast. But I want to see how you would do in a life or death riddle situation. So I got I have oh, three riddles for you. I
1: love riddles. I'm not necessarily good at them, but I'm very excited.
0: Uh, we'll, we'll see uh, if you would survive it. Even if you don't get right, the first one right, I'm going to still go on and see if you, if you would survive any of these. I'll give you like a minute okay. or so to think them through. All right, so the first riddle. You see a boat filled with people. You look again, but this time you don't see a single person on the boat. Why?
1: I see a boat filled filled with people. people.
0: You look again, but you don't see a single person on the boat. Why?
1: (laughs) Oh, gosh. How do I answer this without sounding stupid? It's not
0: stupid. Riddles are hard.
1: Okay. Okay. So they're on the boat, and then I look again, and they're not. Um, it's a, it's a haunted
0: ship. All right, so you would have just died right there. There's not a single person on the boat, but there are couples.
1: Oh. Gosh darn it. Okay. All right. It's like a joke little. Okay. Sort
0: of, yeah. All right, uh, the second one. The man who built it sells it. The man who bought it doesn't use it. The man who uses it doesn't see it.
1: Can you say it one more time? I think I might have the answer. The
0: man who built it sells it. The man who bought it doesn't use it. The man who uses it doesn't see it. All right, so yeah i'm oh, sorry air. no okay. no i'm, filling, I, up, I'm I, filling up dead air that's all i'm doing if you want if you want to think the it out loud
1: mine was like success or money but i don't know
0: all right so uh it's neither of those so again you're dead is a coffin okay a coffin yeah oh uh,
1: yeah very good for spooky season
0: <laughs> all right so i got one more for you Let's say the, the the this troll is very nice. He's like, okay, I'm going to give you three tries to survive. So you're not dead yet. You get this one, he's going to let the other two just go. Uh, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> all right. Two fathers and two sons go fishing together in the same boat. They all catch, catch a fish, but the total catch for the day is three fish. How is this possible? Do you need me to repeat it? Yeah,
1: my dogs are barking so much. Um, So... Can you say that one more time? I'm so sorry.
0: No, no problems. It's fine. Two fathers and two sons go fishing together in the same boat. They all catch a fish, but the total catch for the day is three fish. How is this possible?
1: Oh, two fathers and two sons and three fish. Okay, so we've got two fathers you said because it's a it's a son a dad and a grandpa you are correct what? I didn't you shall pass
0: <laughs> yeah you are you are not dead <laughs> luckily, luckily yeah. you got a nice lenient troll there so good for you <laughs> all right so that is uh the entertainment thoughts really quickly i do want to go into uh something i usually don't do with this segment but uh i want to talk about this now because you have something else at the end of the show and i want to actually talk about midnight club on netflix uh, that I just saw this is a non-spoiler review so don't worry if you're planning on watching it so I'm a huge Mike Flanagan fan I've basically seen everything he's done except for like one movie uh, so I was really excited when he announced that he's doing Midnight Club on Netflix and uh, even then when I saw the trailer I was like oh man this looks bad I was like okay maybe it's just a bad trailer and the the problem with this show is, is basically two shows put into one so the one story is that it's a People are terminal going to this hospice to, you know, live out the rest of their days. Or young people that are dying, dying together. And it's a very interesting story about how they're dealing with mortality. And also one character went there because she saw a story about some woman who was miraculously cured there. She was trying to find that out. And there's like a whole haunting thing going on. It's a little bit cheesy at times, but it's all right. The problem is the second half of each episode is the Midnight Club, them telling stories. So it's, all, it's an anthology show mixed in with like a regular show. And each you know, each episode is a different story. And their stories are incredibly inconsistent and incredibly just it's like a big speed bump. Like you're so excited to find out what happens with this mystery of the show you're following, and then you have to go through like a half hour of a show that has nothing to do with it except for maybe themes or something like that it has to do with the characters telling it personal story, but that's about it. And uh, I found it distracting. And I I love Mike Flanagan, I respect him for trying something different tonally. And different story-wise than he's done before. It's very ambitious to try to cram two shows together. It doesn't work. Uh, and in my opinion, this is the first big mistake that he's ever done. But uh, I'd say maybe watch it if, you, if you're if you like me and you're a diehard Flanagan fan. Uh, but just don't go in with high expectations. There are some amazingly moving scenes. I will say, I didn't like this show, but I did cry at this show. Which is crazy that that happens. Because there's some scenes dealing with death and dealing with the fact that you know you're going to die at such a young age... It can be incredibly moving. That being said, there was one scene. I want to ask your opinion on this because this bugged the hell out of me. It's a mild spoiler. Okay. A character you don't really know that well dies. Uh, it's not like a main character. It's kind of like you're in the hospice and you know his character dies. And one of the friends who is a okay. main character goes in the room and there's like an orally changing the sheets in that room. And this guy who's like 55 years old or something like that starts educating this young dying girl about how death isn't a big deal. There's nothing to be scared of. And, you know, just giving her like some sage advice on the subject. And I felt like this was offensive because I can imagine if I'm dying at like 17 and hearing an old guy telling me like, oh, die is not a big deal. Like, what do you think? Is that is that a weird scene
1: or not? That is weird. And... As good as the intention could be, for one, he lived to be, you know, an older age, which 55 is not old.
0: No, but older but for like, a 17-year-old dying is incredibly old.
1: Yeah, and to pretend to know exactly what she's going through is, I mean, it's is wrong. Like, it's nice to have that intention, but it's better to be there for someone than to try to, like, school them or to you know, tell them the things that things are going to be okay when someone probably knows more than you about this. Yes. The kid themselves knows more about the subject than a 55-year-old.
0: Yeah. It, it, I, every scene with this guy, I'm just like, shut up. Stop stop trying to be wise. You're just not. All right.
1: Yeah.
0: So that was my review of Midnight Club. See it if you like it, but if you like Flanagan, but come with low expectations. Yeah. All right, now we're going to do entertainment news. So... uh Okay last last episode I talked about how Trevor Noah is uh, he's leaving the Daily Show. Are you a fan of the Daily Show?
1: i I can't say that I watch it all the time, but I have watched um, a little bit and uh, some of his stand up and I love him.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mentioned last episode I've read his book. I've seen him live. I watched the da- Daily Show is probably my second favorite like daily uh, late night show. Uh, so I watched him second most. And I really like him. He's leaving soon. They announced his sign off date. It is very close, which surprised me. I thought he'd maybe he'd have like a like six months or so. He is his last show will be on December eighth, so the day Aww. after my birthday. He's lasting long enough, so he can, you know he could uh, wish me happy birthday. So day for my birthday, and then uh, then he's off. Aww. <laughs> uh, so upset about that, but I'm glad that he is. Uh, you know, he's doing what he wants to do, and the pandemic gave him a. Basically, this, the pandemic is why he's leaving because uh, you know he wasn't able to do a thing he loved so much for during the time when everyone's at home. he wasn't able to go out and do stand-up, which is his main passion and he wants to go out and do that and other things more rather than being stuck in a very restrictive job of being a nightly late show host So I respect that but I'm gonna miss him being on my TV Good for him. Uh, other sad news I want to go into really quick uh, Robbie Coltrane uh, died recently uh, for those of you who don't know the na- him by name. He played Hagrid in the uh, in the Harry Potter films. And he was also, I think it's Zelensky, which is horrible, that I can't remember his name exactly, in the James Bond Pierce-Brosnan movies. Uh, he was a very likable actor. He feared we could get along very well with the kids in there. Uh he talked he loved his role of Hag- Hagrid, which I I'm so sad it got ruined a little bit by J.K. Rowling being a horrible person. But he talks about his character, like when he's gone he's happy that such a positive character is going to be there for people to go back to later. I thought that, I thought that was beautiful.
1: It is. He perfectly embodied that character. I did not read all the books, but I read the first book when it first came out and I read it out loud and in accents and it was just this dream world. And I fully was enveloped in it. I just was fully invested and to see him bring that role to life. He was my favorite character Uh, he, you know, Harry's first friend, you know, he's like the voice of acceptance and comfort and, um, you know, and people relate to that and it's hard because we, we feel so connected to characters like that and we relate it to our lives and it hurts us all for different reasons. Um, but he's, you know, we'll never forget him and it's hard for the Harry Potter (laughs) community, the Harry Potter fans.
0: And I'm sure, all of his friends and family. Yeah, for sure. Uh, here's an interesting movie uh, plot. Uh, so they have bought Sony has bought the rights to the GameStop. Sorry, I said it wrong. GameStop stock market saga. Do you remember this during the pandemic? No. Okay. So during the pandemic, uh, there's a. Do you know what shorting is? No. Nope. It's when you like bet against a stock. And uh, oh, okay. so these these evil Wall Street companies, what they do is they'll, they'll like try to drive the market a certain way. So they they bet against GameStop and made sure that it would it would go bad. But then people saw what they were doing and they decided to manipulate the market in the other way. And actually, like everyone, uh, started going through this trader called Robinhood and started like buying up GameStop stock. And since since it was buying up so fast, the value of GameStop stock went skyrocketing up. And it became this huge thing. Everyone was buying it. And then it got so big that they manipulated the market so much that Robinhood, the company that they're buying stock through, stopped selling, actually started selling other people's stock. It was messing up the market the wrong way of what other people Jeez. wanted. And it was messing them up. So it became this whole thing of like, oh, big companies can manipulate the market, but the people in mass can't. And it became this whole huge thing. And uh, they're going to make that into a movie. I'm not sure how you do uh-huh. that. I'm guessing they're going to show Robin Hood as the bad guys and also show, like, the Wall Street people as the bad guys. I'm not exactly sure how this is a movie, but it is an interesting story. It all happened when everyone was stuck at home during the pandemic.
1: Yeah, that sounds like it would be actually a really good movie. I picture, like, Christian Bale being involved in some way. I don't
0: know why. I I, I think he was in, like, The Big Short, which was another uh, stock market movie. And I'll be honest, I'm probably getting some things wrong because I don't understand stocks. I don't have any stocks.
1: No, I But it, I don't it either, could be interesting. But, but yeah, I think that would make for a great movie. It also, yeah, I don't know. It's probably not for everyone. Probably for more like I'd say the demographic would be like, I don't know, uh 25 to 60. <laughs> Maybe, yeah.
0: I mean, I even I enjoyed The Big Short, but I will be 100% honest, I didn't understand it. I thought, "Okay, I could see the motivations and people getting upset." but I don't really know what's going on here. And that was good enough for me. Um, (laughs) So they are doing a remake of Naked Gun, the very famous Leslie Nielsen movies. Uh, And Mm -hmm. the star who's going to take on Leslie Nielsen's role is Liam Neeson. So that's what they're doing for a remake of Naked Gun. Do you like those movies?
1: I love those movies. They're hilarious. I don't think they need to be redone. Uh, I don't
0: it's a weird because it very much is based off of Leslie Nielsen's performance. He was what Nicky yeah. Gunn was. and exactly. uh Liam Neeson can be funny in a weird way. Like I've seen him do like yeah. a, a a sketch with Ricky Gervais where he wants to get into improv comedy. and he's very funny because he doesn't understand comedy and that and does like super serious like cancer sketch and Ricky Gervais keeps on trying to push him back oh to like God. let's not do cancer because cancer is not funny. <laughs> uh, that's funny, but I can't. Oh I've never really seen him do anything besides, like, I'm overly intimidating and that's funny. So I I can't see him being as goofy for these sight gag movies.
1: Like, exactly. You don't need to redo Naked Gun. Like, if you want to do a spoof, then make a new spoof. There's so many different ways you could go with it. And you're right. Leslie, I mean, sorry. Liam Neeson. Uh, Their their names
0: are kind of similar. Maybe that's why they They get extinct. I know. Um, Liam
1: Neeson is not a comedic actor in any way near leslie nielsen he's leslie nielsen's a freaking legend yeah um i'm trying to think who i would rather cast in that role
0: i mean the best i would i could see playing like a ridiculous character like that would probably be uh and it has named like five steve corell steve Carell is the closest i could see and even then i i don't think i'd want him to see him do it either
1: yeah Nah, it's just that they're, like, digging, they're just, like, digging deep to
0: make money, it seems like. I don't feel like that's, it doesn't sound inspired, but no. I don't know, it could be. <laughs> Alright, uh, next story is a little bit, uh, not as fun as some of the other ones, but I, I want to talk about this because I've seen the online discourse about this, and it has bugged me. So, there's been some details that have come out recently about Bill Murray. Uh, you know, Ghost, he's a guy, Ghostbusters, Groundhog Day, a brilliant comedic actor, but there is stuff been coming out about him being like sexually aggressive with people, sexually harassing people, bullying people on set. He said supposedly dropped Seth Green in a trash can when he was eleven years old because he thought it was funny. And I I find the thing that makes me uncomfortable is that we seem as a society, if we think someone's talented or we're a big fan of them, that they can't be awful people, and that bugs me. Uh, I believe these accusations cause there's so many coming out right now. Yeah, if you read the comments section, it's all about people calling them liners or how dare you attack this guy. And I'm I'm thinking if, if Bill Murray wasn't as popular, uh, I'm pretty sure everyone would be, oh yeah, we're against this guy, but because he's so beloved, somehow, if you're talented, you cannot be a bad person. That just bugs me. No, I um I didn't
1: I've heard a little bit about where he it, like walked off set or something but I didn't know about all that uh, but yeah as far as uh it's hard it's a really tricky thing because when you grow up with performers in your life for me like being someone who's always been into acting or performing it's hard to to see that happen to someone I'm a big fan of but it's just they're people like yeah. they are people they're they are just people playing roles they're just artists like there's no reason why that person still needs to be my hero like it's just you're like holding on to a memory and it's like yeah they were your hero for a while but like you're supposed to be inspired by new things as you go through your life as you grow and learn and the world changes there's new things to be inspired by you don't have to hold on so tightly to the way things used to be and it is that's unfortunate to hear because yeah i mean it's hard when when you have to like you're like should i watch this movie now well i mean (laughs) i watch ghostbusters for halloween
0: (laughs) that's the thing is that like i don't think i'm ever going to stop loving those movies but it's going to taint them a little bit groundhog day is in my top 10 favorite movies of all time i think that's a that is a perfect film uh but that doesn't make, just because he made art doesn't mean that he's a good person. And I I, I get so mad about stuff like that because uh, one of my other stories is about uh, Jennifer Lawrence talks about how hard it was for her when she got really big after the Hunger Games. And like suddenly, you know, she's beloved and everyone was obsessed with her for a little bit. And then people turned on her hard out of nowhere. People started hating on her and... And she got attacked. She made a mistake. She like uh, jokingly made a joke about wiping her butt on like some Hawaiian rocks, and apparently those were like sacred rocks. And she apologized for it. She didn't know she was being offensive and stuff like that. But I don't think that's why people hate her. I think just people like to see women get rise up and then tear them down. And she talks about this, Mm -hmm. and the comments section are all so hateful for her, and yet so beloved on Bill Murray is like she she made a mistake with some rocks and apologized for it, and you guys hate her, but he abuses people are like oh he's fine and that's the double standard with with men versus women in hollywood is ridiculous and this is just a good example of that
1: absolutely yeah throughout history it's it's still something that we're all like conditioned um to like it's it's like insidious we don't even know that we're doing that you know people i feel like with women there's a lot of like you know, jealousy and then yes, they have to push them down. It's just there's still that yeah, there's still that freaking challenge that we have to rise above as women to still, you know, try to be equal. It's that battle is far from over. Um, and it's definitely not fair, uh, you know, to to hate so much more on a woman who's, you know, done whatever it was. And then to someone who's getting tons of complaints against them, but it's okay because they're a famous man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's be it. Uh, yeah your point about like things changing and, you know, people adapting and still being a harder thing. And like, I've never, I've always considered myself, you know, very, uh, I, I've always tried not to be problematic. I always saw like a good ally towards women and everything like that. But then I look back on like, you know, these Facebook on this day, uh, things that they have on that site, I see some of the jokes I used to make that I was like, oh, these are fine. These are funny jokes. And now I see them as like, oh, that's offensive and stupid. The amount of times, uh, especially in my, like, probably like 13 years ago when I first started uh, with my now wife, the amount of times I made misogynistic get-me-a-sandwich jokes, which are just not funny, are ridiculous. And at at the time, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm good with everybody. The amount of times in my past... That I used to do homophobic jokes and not think anything was wrong about it, or transgender jokes and not think anything was wrong about it is ridiculous. The difference between like me and a lot of the other people is that I'm at least like I, I'm always trying to adapt and become better and not go like, well, I'm I'm done now. And I think the people that attack like Jennifer Lawrence or like just attack women in general are people that like have not learned to adapt with the times and it, it, like look at their at at themselves and become better people. They're just like, no, nope, this is good. Everybody else is wrong that gets mad at things.
1: Yeah. And the thing for me that I, I believe is that, yes, like through time, like things we learn what's more unacceptable because now we're able to communicate more about what matters and what we go through. We can see things on social media, on media that people are going through that we never knew about before. And we're like, oh, like I didn't realize that maybe stuff that I've done is offensive or you know not okay. And I think that um it is important to adapt and it's important to also be able to let other people adapt and not hold them to all their mistakes. Like and if someone is trying to get better or really working on themselves, I feel like that's important to recognize. Um, there's a lot of people that are just, if they do one thing wrong now, that's what you're known for and yes. you're just unforgiven and you can't come back from it. And I don't believe in that at all. That's I agree with that too. Yeah.
0: Better. Especially if they're like digging up like old tweets or something like that. And they've changed as the a person since then. Like some people go like, like, uh, the James Gunn scandal a couple of years ago. Did you, did you follow that? I don't remember. Okay. So James Gunn's director of guardians of the galaxy suicide squad Around 2008, 2009, he used to, uh, some, he, he did some like really, maybe y- further back than that, but around that time, uh, he used to work for this company called Troma. And they're like, their big thing is like they make really bad movies on purpose. And they're supposed to be kind of offensive, stuff like that. So his humor is very based on being offensive. And uh, Disney knew about this before uh, they hired him to direct Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, There's all out there already they knew about is it. It not a big deal But then some people went back and re- dug up his tweets and they're some vile tweets I'll be 100% honest with you, but he's he's even apologized before he worked for Disney about making those tweets and explain like He's a different person now. He understands like he would make pedophile jokes and rape jokes stuff like that They're very bad, but he didn't think they were bad at the time and he's like, okay I'm, I'm ashamed of that. I apologize for that. He didn't actually do anything. He Just made some bad comments people found those tweets Dug them up and uh got him fired from Guardians of the Galaxy, fired from Disney because of this. And he, even though he's made he's made uh, apologies and tried to move on and become a better person since then, uh eventually they've allowed him to come back because they realize cause enough of outcry for him to come back came up. But like that kind of thing, I think as long as you're you've been working towards being a better person and you didn't do anything absolutely heinous, like if you sexually assault somebody, you're never gonna be like, oh well you apologize, moved on. But if you just said some dumb things and you acknowledged it and tried to move on, I feel like you can come you should be able to come back from that.
1: I really believe so too. I, I think that's what life is about um is about we make mistakes and we learn from our mistakes, hopefully. And yeah. if we don't and if we're not trying to or if we're proud of things that we've done that have offended people, that's a totally different yes. story. But if we're we have remorse for it or you know, or if we at least acknowledge that we didn't realize what we were doing and acknowledge that there's another way of looking at things, then yeah, then it's kinda not cool. Like I think people need to be willing to change. Like
0: Yeah. Like people during that time brought up a lot of uh like Roseanne, she got cancelled because she did something some some racist tweets and people were like, Well, you guys let James Gunn come back and the biggest difference between that was she didn't acknowledge she did anything wrong. She just kept on denying, 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 she's never worked to become a better person. She just kind of dug in more and more. Mm-hmm. That's the big difference. You have to be able to willing to grow and admit your mistakes. If you if you were saying horrible things and you're just standing by her like everyone else is wrong but me, then you're the problem. Yep. All right, let's see if we got any more stories here. Um, I really I always say every time I do this that I should organize this stuff, and then I don't organize it. Uh, mm. I'll one more story, just because I, I I like this. Have you watched Sandman on Netflix? No. Okay, so it's a DC property, but it's kind of like its own continuity. And in this, they have... Do you, do you know who John Constantine is?
1: Uh, Keanu
0: Reeves played him in I a think... movie.
1: Oh, yes. Okay. okay,
0: so in this version... They, uh, Neil Gaiman is based on Neil Gaiman, Gaiman, uh comic book series and it involves Constantine. In this version, they actually have gender swapped it and made Joanna Constantine, played by Jenna Coleman, who's a fanta- fantastic actress. And, uh, they are talking about actually doing a uh, spin off series with her playing Constantine on her own on Netflix. I'm kind of excited about that because I think it's a fun thing. And Ooh, something,
1: that's awesome.
0: something I love about Neil Gaiman, the author of the, of the the comic is that he is 100% standing up to people that are mad about this and just taking them down one by one. And it is so good to see guys like the, the new show as gender swap, race swap has uh, a little bit more of a LGBTQIA presence in it. And, you know, comic book fans of the of the original series are upset about this. If they, you know if they're insecure, and he has just been not taking it and standing by all these performers and backing it up so well. And I just he's so he's so wholesome and likable. So I I love Neil Gaiman. And want everything for him.
1: Ooh, I'm now sold on the show. By the way, <laughs> all right, go check
0: it out. It's very interesting. It's very original and out there. Uh, not very much like the usual comic book stuff that you've seen. All right. So for the last segment of the show, and by the way, uh, this has been so much fun. Uh, if you ever want to do this again, I would love to have you back on here because this has been so much fun.
1: Yeah, oh my gosh, are you kidding? It's so nice catching up with you.
0: Yeah, exactly. I feel the same way. So, so for the last segment of the show, I thought we, because we're talking about Stranger Things and 80s, and you mentioned several times that you really love the entertainment from that time period, I thought we'd do our top three 80s movies. And so we'll go back and forth three for you, three for me, two, one, and so forth. So what is your number three top 80s movie?
1: Oh man, I had a really hard time with this.
0: Same, it's impossible.
1: uh, So to rank my top three 80s movies, it was hard because there's movies that I think that are better, and then there's movies that I've seen a million times Mm -hmm. that I have a sentimental connection to. Yeah. so I I just I I guess my number three, and this is not one I think is the greatest movie ever, is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure.
0: That's that's eighties. I for sure I thought it was nineties. That's 80s It's It's
1: the very oh yeah, you, you very just
0: squeaked in. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that
1: is that
0: is an example of a dumb but fun movie. Uh, so my uh, my number three, and I'm gonna one hundred percent admit. This is one. This is a bias on me, and I had to fit one in there on this list. I'm not sure if you know this. I like James Bond. I, I never talk about no, it.
1: No, I have no ne- idea. Never
0: talk about it.
1: Just
0: kidding. Uh, I I brought in my favorite uh, 80s James Bond, which is not Roger Moore, because I I think Roger Moore was terrible. But Timothy Dalton is, in my opinion, one of the most underrated Bonds, and he has this movie called License to Kill. And this is the one. Is this the only James Bond really like revenge film? James Bond was best man at his friend Felix Leiter's wedding. And the day after his wedding, Felix Leiter's wife gets killed and Felix Leiter gets his arm and leg bit off by a shark because of villains. And James Bond just he gets his license to kill revoked because he wants to go out for a revenge thing and MI6 says no. So he is off on his own with no license to kill, no back in the British government, out for revenge for his best friend Felix Leiter.
1: It's awesome. I loved that movie when I was a kid, by the way. I watched it so many times. I thought Timothy Dalton was awesome. Yeah. I, yeah. I thought he was amazing. He's not my favorite Bond, but I at this point, at that time, I thought he was phenomenal.
0: He's my third favorite <laughs> Bond, and my top three are very close. Uh, so, uh, what's your number two? Woo.
1: Uh E.T.
0: E.T. is a great movie.
1: I, I don't yeah, think that was the first movie I saw in theaters. Uh, I just remember my cousin coming and he was like, I don't know, like four, three years old. He was crying and he was so scared. Uh, and then, yeah, I've just always felt a very sentimental connection to it. Um, when we went to see John Williams at the Hollywood bowl, being there with my cousin, when they kind of played a clip from et and they played the music live i was just in tears underrated thing
0: that's one of the best movie themes of all time
1: oh so beautiful and yeah i remember as a kid i got to i was in the very back at universal studios they were like who wants to ride you know the et bike and i was like (laughs) someone put me on their shoulders and i waved my hand i was like, oh. I couldn't believe that I got to ride on the bike because I wasn't a lucky kid at all.
0: Oh wow, that's amazing.
1: Um, yeah, it was really cool. Uh, but yeah, it's really sentimental. And I've seen like it a couple times in theaters when they brought it out with like the digital, you know, remastered. Or when they or replaced
0: they the guns the into walkie-talkies.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, that that's a that is a, that so is a beautiful love- movie. I still I am still sad that they got rid of the ride at Universal Studios. I loved that ride. The fact that he says your name at the end was so amazing to me. Although I wanted I to say I wanted him to say ass or something like that, but they won't let him say curse words. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh so my number two is John Carpenter's is the thing. It's my favorite horror film of all time. Uh Kurt Russell, alien, a different kind of alien than ET, uh, movie where every single cell in the have you ever seen this movie?
1: I have. It's right. very scary.
0: Every single cell of this creature uh, is alive. It's its own entity. And it basically uh, makes itself look like somebody else. And then any part of it can like, bite you or infect you. And then you turn into the creature as well. And it's this huge paranoia film. You don't know who's good, who's bad. And it has my favorite kill in any horror film whatsoever, which is a guy collapses. They put him up on the table and they do the paddles to bring him back to life. And his stomach opens up and bites off the guy doing the paddle's mm-hmm. hands. And then the, the guy who's getting the pals also has his head fall off and crawl away. It's it's amazing, <laughs> and the fact that the you special effects it to
1: the eighties practical effects they were
0: so the good. Like they made a, a they made a prequel movie around two thousand eleven uh, with you know more CGI effects. Didn't look anywhere near as good as the stuff that they made in the eighties. Uh, it, it's nope. it's an amazing film. If you have not seen it, check it out. And uh, what is your number one?
1: Back to the Future
0: almost made my list. It's uh, it was it was very close. That is a fantastic film.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I mean I feel like I don't need to explain it too much because we've all seen it. Um, but it's I'll just say that like the most sentimental thing is that watching it with my dad um, and just there's this part where. Uh, Marty McFly almost calls George's dad he's like he goes dad dad dadio <laughs> and ever since i called my dad 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 dadio i even like address his cards that way um and so that's always going to be really special to me also, like I'm engaged, um, by the way, and congratulations! In my mind, to have like the reception or party be like Enchantment Under the Sea would be a dream come true.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Yeah, that movie. I, I, I I've i recently become a fan of this series called Pitch Meetings on on YouTube. Have you seen this?
1: No. So uh,
0: this guy, he's a he's an amazing comedic uh video uh guy. I, I'm just talking horribly. Anyways, the whole concept of the show is he plays two different people. He plays a guy pitching a movie, uh, movie, and he plays a guy getting the movie pitched too. And they basically (laughs) break down, like, everything weird with hundreds of different movies. And just this morning, I watched the one on Back to the Future. And hearing a guy pitch the movie, oh, yeah, his mom's, like, just cannot get enough of him and (laughs) things like that. Uh, Or, like, the fact that they hired the guy that tried to sexually assault his mom to be the guy who washes their car or whatnot at the end of the movie. (laughs) And they explain all these things, and, like... And yet it works. It's such a good movie. But imagine pitching all those different things to the studio. And the fact that this got made is insane to me.
1: <laughs> Have you ever... Okay, really quick side note. Have, nope. Did you ever watch Key and Peele? Uh, with I never, uh, I, I never, Jordan Peele and Keegan michael Key. They had like a show together that was similar to the Dave Chappelle show. I've never seen uh, it. They would play, but
0: yeah. Go on.
1: Yeah, like they would play all these characters. It's like SNL kind of thing. Uh, but there's this one of my favorite skits is when Jordan Peele comes in as he is helping pitch gremlins too. Okay. (laughs) And he's like, he's asking each member of the board or whatever, like, give me like a random uh, gremlin that you can think of. They're like, "Uh, googly (laughs) eyes. They're like, then he's like, that's it. He's like, there's just a and that's there to look stupid as fuck. <laughs> it's in the movie. Like, and so you have to watch it. I, I will. will. This sounds fun. This. It's it's perfect for October. Anyway, sorry if I curse. No, no, that's all right.
0: <laughs> You're allowed to curse. I've been cursing throughout this entire thing. Uh, okay. <laughs> so uh, my number one, I'm not sure if you've heard of this film, it's called E.T. Ah. Uh, I love that movie. I had I uh rent a Funko Pop about uh, uh the- in Hollywood uh, about a month ago. I got a uh, Funko of E.T. and Elliot on the bicycle. I love that yeah, movie that so is- much. It's so feel good. I even don't mind. Like I I hate peanut butter and I hate the fact that there's Reese's pieces all over the movie, but I don't care. It's a great fucking movie. Uh, it's one of oh those my weird goodness, movies. I love
1: the Reese's pieces.
0: Part. It- it's a weird movie in the fact that I, I know it's more of a kid's movie, but I didn't appreciate it that much until I was an adult. Like I liked it as a kid, but as an adult, I love it. It's so amazingly well acted. I think, especially back then in the 80s, I think they've gotten better at it now, as obvious, with Stranger Things. But back in the 80s, kid actors weren't that good. But this kid who played Elliot, who's now, by the way, in Mike Flanagan stuff, he was in House and yep. uh, in Hill House and Blind Manor and Midnight Club and all Henry that stuff. Henry Thomas. Henry Thomas. He's been amazing since he was a little kid. Did you ever see, it's on YouTube, his audition to play Elliot?
1: Not that I recall, no.
0: So he uh it seems like they kind of improvise it. They just kinda tell him, like, you care about this, this, this alien, and we're gonna try to take it away from you. Uh basically, Steven Spielberg is reading as like a scientist guy who's gonna do experiments on A.T. And they're just riffing. And he is So upset that they are trying to take away his friend. Like you would believe this is a real thing. Like they're just gonna take this little boy's friend away and slice him up. And it's he's it's just him by himself doing this performance and even younger than he than he was when they actually filmed the movie. And it's so moving and so brilliant. And like, of course, this kid got the part. I definitely say look up the YouTube of his audition. It's so amazing. I will I
1: love him so much. He Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, I felt like, like, you know, that I was him that he, you know, he just really drew you in. What an amazing kid actor. There's very few that are like that back then. You're right. There's a lot of kind of cheesy acting in the 80s. Um, He was so realistic. I love him.
0: All right. Well, that is the show. Uh, One more time. Do you want to plug uh, anything before we end this thing?
1: No, you already plugged Hellfire Club, and yeah, check it out. Uh, it's <laughs> on Facebook, Hellfire Club, with a little flame next to it, run by Melissa Kirkpatrick. There's about 9,000 members. Uh, if you want to get in, you have to answer who your favorite character is and what your favorite scene is and agree to the rules, because it's a, it's a very tight-knit group, and we only want really big fans who are really nice and nerdy.
0: Alright, thank you for that. Uh, it is a fun club, and I love all the weekly, like you do like weekly themes of what you're going to cover mostly that week, and it's it's a whole lot of fun and very interactive. One of the best Facebook groups I've ever seen, really. Uh, if you guys like this show, please like and subscribe. Get other people to subscribe. Tell people about it. I'd really much appreciate that. Uh, and remember, if you want your entertainment news two weeks late, listen to Unlicensed Entertainment. <laughs>